All right, folks. Welcome to the Crack House Podcast. My name is Mike O'Sullivan. Joining me as always is my buddy Chris Musky Muscalino. What's up, dude? Greetings, Saturday Night Live with Big Mike. What's up, crackheads? Yeah, we should have been uh, dancing in a fountain. <laughs> little uh, little foreboding for the uh, topics of some of the show uh, that we have for everybody tonight. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got something else, too, I saw today on Instagram. I, I got to share it because I never knew it. And uh, it's like one of those things when you find it out, you're like, holy mackerel, man. I can't believe this. Um, so before we start, how was your week? Interesting, man. I'm sure we're going to get to uh, some of my, uh, yeah. my dealings later on in the show, but pretty interesting week. You? Yeah. Ah, pretty much the same old stuff. Uh, nothing new. Just can't wait. I can't wait for just like school to be over and dealing with the kids at home. I mean, like people that are still at home with their kids. God bless you, man. Like I'm doing it now with my I got two at home with school and it really is the worst thing in the world. And teachers should make a lot more money because this is like I mean, and I have kids in high school. I can't imagine what it's like to have like these like like you're playing teacher at home for these kids, man. It's crazy. Well, Along those lines, I didn't mind it, Mike, at all. You know, I'm cool with my kids. I mean, my house is a decent size, but um, I guess something that went on in Smithtown is uh, along the lines of what you're saying. There was a, a big vote, I guess, on this, the school district board this week in Smithtown. Yeah. So I basically, I guess what's going on with kids working at, uh, you know, being homeschooled and stuff is you get to hear a lot of stuff that the teachers say over like these Zoom stuff. And um, I guess apparently... The, I guess in our district, they would, I guess there were allegations of them being anti-police and also talking about critical race theory. And I think it didn't really sit well with a lot of people. So there was a larger than unusual turnout with our board of um, school board of elections this week. Uh -huh. They got a whole new, you know, whole new crew in there. And a lot of it stemmed from, I think what you talked about where kids, you know, it's no longer where, you know, there's a little, a little row between your kids and your teachers and what you hear and how you, you know, decipher what's being taught and what's not being taught. You know, I heard some disturbing shit a couple months ago. You know, my kid was on a, on a Zoom meeting or, a, you know, one of these homeschooling things. And I guess somehow some anti-Catholic bullshit came up in, in the thing. I'm not going to mention the content of it because I'm sure it'll rub people the wrong way, but. I made a complaint to the school back a couple of months ago and I'm like, you know what? I really don't want to hear this shit. I don't want to hear any anti-Catholic BS, you know, in relation to whatever, you know, everybody's got their own belief systems. I'm not the most religious guy, but going by based on what you said, you know, I think, you know, for some people they can't deal with the homeschooling for me, I didn't mind it, but I think the whole, the whole get to know your teacher and what's being taught and what's being said in the classrooms came a lot more to the forefront. Well, that was called thing. Well, there was just a thing in the uh, the post the other day. There was a New York City public school teacher like sucking on a boyfriend's chest, his nipple. And no, like she didn't know out, the camera man. was on. People, uh, yeah, <clears throat> I think there's a lot of these teachers that they're home. They don't give a shit, you know, kind of like, you know, they do have a tough job because now they got to teach from home. They don't have hands-on experience. But I think, too, there's some of them, you know, a lot of them are like young in their 20s and kind of like don't give a shit if they get fired or not. I think the older ones that have been doing it for a while and have families and rely on money are, are going to do their jobs. You know, I mean, I see what my you know, my wife is a teacher and I see what she goes through with a lot of the work where she she right. You know, their, their jobs don't stop sometimes at three o'clock with lesson plans and everything else. And it, it really is a tough job. But I think I, I think more like what I was saying was like just for kids, I, I think like they're, you know, it, I, I don't want to be like new age and everything, but like mental people's mental health has suffered so much. Like just during the last year with, you know, I agree being up and just staying home and, and you know, I, I just can't wait. You know, like I said, it seems like things are getting back to normal and hopefully hopefully like this year, once the school year ends, you know, Come September again, we get things back to normal. And uh, 
I agree with you, Mike, man. I mean, I think, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You know, my wife's in the mental health field and she mm -hmm. spoke about it. And, um, you know, listen, just going back to what you said, you know, as far as, you know, the whole school, homeschooling stuff, teachers, just like me and my profession, I had this conversation with Jay, who's in the mortgage business. I'm sure you dealt with it with the police department. You got to speak to people a little bit differently than, you know, the old days. You know, yeah. I think every profession, wherever walk of life you are, the way you speak to people, man, the way you convey thoughts, even on this podcast, you know, I'm pretty careful. You know, I'm sure people don't think I'm careful, you know, maybe my mom or whoever or whoever's watching this, but you got to be really careful in terms of how you communicate at your job with people, with the public, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a completely different animal these days and uh, whatever, you know, yeah. those are my two cents on it. I mean, like you said, well, well we're, we're, we're through this now and hopefully, like I said, hopefully it's over. Let's just get into the show. Yeah. You know, COVID's gone. So you played a little friends. We got friends coming back. The friends reunion. <laughs> so it's coming out May 27th on HBO max. And, you know, the reason I pushed to have it is because it was such a huge part, I guess, of a lot of people's lives in the 90s. You know, whether you like the yeah. show or not, I personally hated it. I couldn't stand it. I thought it was unrealistic. But I think for more or less, it shaped, you know, our little bubble, you know, here in New York, on Long Island, in the city, to an extent, you know, for maybe a five, six year time period. Now, I know it was always in the shadows of Seinfeld. But, you know, on some level, it was what yeah. must watch TV, right? I've actually seen people like online say, what was the better show, Friends of Seinfeld? Which I, I don't I, even think I, is a comparison. How is that? That's come on. Come on. Um, yeah, I thought the show. Oh, my goodness, man. <laughs> like you right. said, the show was completely unrealistic in the sense that uh, these three girls or the oh, no, wait, did all three of them? Shit? No, the two girls share the apartment. Courtney right. Cox and the other one had like a three bedroom apartment for like 800 bucks a month down the West village. Good luck with that. They said, they said that so many people from like the Midwest came to New York city thinking like, I want the friend's apartment and <laughs> three grand a month. How about that? Yeah. How you doing? I've seen, you know, I remember in its heyday seeing like, yeah, studios for like three grand a month. And, and the studio was literally, you know, probably like 15 feet by like eight feet. And there were people lining up and, and it wasn't just one person moving in. It was like a studio with roommates right? that you used to see in Manhattan. I mean, I remember one time my boss telling me like the studio was three grand. He goes, I pay $2,100 a month for a four bedroom house on Long Island. He goes, my, he goes, I have two closets bigger than this apartment. Oh, <laughs> so, no, nah, man, I'm with you. I mean, uh, I never really watched it. I mean, it came on here or there. Um, there were a few characters I really despised. I, I me and my wife were watching, um, I guess, the breakup with uh, Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I turned to my wife and I'm like, this character in this movie is Jennifer Aniston in real life. And Jennifer Aniston, I said to my wife, at face value is this hot chick, right? And every... Every chick, every white chick on Long Island had that hairstyle. Yeah. They had that attitude. And I said, watching that movie with Vince Vaughn and her, I said, this is why she's not with a guy. Because she is, she's hot, but she's not super hot. And the attitude is of such that she's a pain in the ass. And on some level, guys weigh pain in the ass, hotness, you know, and on some level, one outweighs the yeah, other. Yeah, I think she comes off like super high maintenance. Correct. I, 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 I definitely think that, I mean, listen, she had Brad Pitt and he couldn't stand her. But think so about I, this. I, I mean, you're Brad Pitt. You could get any woman in the world and it's like, all right, she's hot. Yeah, I get it. I can get hotter. And on some level, she's probably a pain in the ass. Kind of no, like that chick in the nineties and the eighties where we grew up, where if you didn't have a certain level of money or a nice car on some level or a status. Well, I mean, you weren't getting her. Yeah, you know? I mean, I mean, you. She, she's she's basically the epitome of the old adage of, show me a hot girl, and I'll show you a guy that's just tired of her shit. Right. You know, like because there always is that. There's always that guy. Oh my god, this girl's gorgeous, and it's like, 
Yeah, but there's some guy that just rolls his eyes every time she opens her mouth. Right. Like, how do I get rid of her? So and I will say I worked with a, one guy that said he saw her in person and said she was drop dead gorgeous. I'm sure she is. Now, she's granted, he was Greek, so he could be a little. He said he was one of the most beautiful women he'd ever seen in person. I'm sure she is, man. Um, she's our age, you know, back then she was an integral part of the show. I just watched it and I'm like, why isn't this chick married? You know, why isn't this chick have kids? And I'm looking at this movie and I'm like, this character is her. Yeah. Part of the reason I didn't watch friends back then is because there were so many good looking girls that we grew up with back in the day in Queens and Brooklyn and stuff that reminded me of her and that attitude that, yeah, she was cool. Yeah. She was probably, you know, she was unattainable. Let's put it that way. If that makes sense. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that show did a, a good, it, it kind of just, like you said, a distorted reality for you, you know, in terms of, yeah, you're not hooking up with her, you know, she's going to, you know what I'm saying? I yeah. mean, just, uh, it, and then on the flip side, I mean, getting off her for a second, you know, you know, I looked at that Matthew Perry guy. I mean, you know, between him and the Joey, how many Joey's did we know growing up in Astoria? How many Joey's did you know in the oh, police department? Yeah, there are a million Joey's, right? And I hate to say it, I'm Italian, but, you know, in Maltese and English, whatever the frick you want to call it. But end of the day, I looked at Joey and I hated Joey. I hated Joey because he was like a character of an Italian dingbat. He was like, oh, a male, yeah, the, yeah. They he was made, like a male bimbo. Yeah, the mimbo. The right. mimbo. But and yeah, I, they, they definitely, uh, they definitely made him like a stereotype. Right. You know, uh, I guess Matthew Perry was supposed to be like the uptight wasp stereotype. And then like Ross and Rachel was supposed to be like the tip and, and and what's a face. Aniston was supposed to be like the Long Island Jewish American princess girls and Ross. And, you know, so. And for my Jewish buddies out there, I'm sure, you know, they looked at, you know, Ross and they looked at uh, Rachel and Mm -hmm. I guess they had varying different opinions, but I got a lot of Jewish friends and stuff. And it's like, I don't remember what they thought of them back then, but I just, I was just thinking like the way I feel about Joey's an Italian American, I can't imagine them being too happy with the the characters of, you know, people that these people portrayed as well. Oh yeah. You yeah. Know? Like, like it is. It's like, it's like the show fucking what's that show on, on Showtime that everyone loves shameless. Right. Look at it. It's, it's like the big stereotypical, like Irish white trash family where everyone's like, scheming conniving everyone's got a drug problem a drinking problem a pill problem they're, they're always scam i mean come on you know you used to always make fun of it and plus there was there's just so many things that we made fun of i mean if you're a real guy or a real girl from queens or brooklyn or anywhere in the city area and watching the show how many goofs that we used to have like you know somebody's upset oh he breaks up with uh, with with the girl, and Ross is on the the ledge, and he's ready to commit mm-hmm. suicide. What are you coming to? Come on, bro! You're living in a three thousand dollar apartment. And you got this hot chick, and all of a sudden you hear the uh, the Edward McCain song. I'll be your crying <laughs> shoulder. Yeah. Uh, come on, bro. That's not reality. <laughs> but I figured I'd bring it up because it was such a big show. Uh, apparently, it's a uh, you know going to be on HBO Max on May twenty seventh. And, uh, you know, the last thing I just wanted to mention, and I guess we'll move forward unless you have anything other to add on it, was that uh, I'm looking at Matthew Perry and me and Michael, Michael's 49, just turned it the other day. Happy birthday, by the way, have the audience, you know, happy birthday to Big Mike here. I'm 48. Perry's like 51 and Perry looks like he could be my grandfather. I don't know what the hell this guy did. I don't know what he partied with. Oh, he partied with everything it looked like. But uh, he is messed up, bro. He's slurring his words. They're concerned about him. Jammed up, bro. Really jammed up. Yeah, he didn't look good. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, they had the video the other day. Of they they were all doing, I guess, press for the the reunion show, and he was he was like, I kind of like I got a clock and I gave up, and he's yeah he he just hasn't looked good in the last few years too. Like I I remember when the show when the show ended. I think he was clean and he was doing a, I think he got like a couple of spinoffs, not spinoffs, but like other series. Right. And seen whatever, for whatever reason, the shows died, you know, and they get, they wound up getting canceled. And then he, he kind of like show, drifted. Like off. he had a show before, before friends. What the hell was it? It was a show where he went back in time and like, he was playing like his teenage self, but he was really like a 40 or 50 year old guy. 
And I think there was a Zac Efron movie too, you know, kind of like in the same theme, 17 yeah. again or some shit yeah, like yeah. that. But before that, before Friends, there was actually a show where Chandler wasn't Chandler. He was in a different episode. And I guess he was playing a 17 or 18 year old self. I forgot the name of it, but I think that was his first thing that he did. And then he did Friends. And then that was it. Like you said, he never really had anything that materialized. Yeah. Oh, he had, well, he had, what else did he get? He had the whole nine yards movie with Bruce Willis. Yeah, and then yeah, I think I he had so. yeah. he had like yeah. one other movie that I don't think it did that great, but yeah, he seems like a guy like it. You know his, you know he's he's, he's battling addiction, and you, you know you just hope you just hope it works out, and the guy doesn't wind up you know in a coffin because he he he, yeah, he hasn't looked good. When you see those like old uh, those recent pictures of the guy like hanging out in L.A. or whatever, he, yeah, he does. He looks horrible. As uh, Rick James once said, cocaine is a hell, a of, hell a drug. of a drug. Yeah. <laughs> All these guys, man. Yeah. They, you know, but they, they, they live that lifestyle. And like, anytime you, you see like uh, these celebrities that get involved, uh, that, that have like a lot of addiction problems and people say like, why couldn't you quit? He goes, do you understand every place I walked into people just handed me drugs? And it's like, I've heard this from, you know, listening to like comedians talk about like when they're, they were struggling to get sober or, you know, rock and roll guys, uh, musicians, when they were struggling to get sober, it's like everyone you encounter knows you do drugs and they will just give you drugs just to say, Hey man, I just did drugs with Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. I just did Coke with Steven Tyler from Aerosmith or I just did Coke <laughs> with Sam Kinison or whoever he goes, it, it was so hard to quit when, when, when you talk to some of these people. And that's why a lot of them wind up dead. No, I agree with you, Mike. I mean, it. listen, I, we make fun of it. I, look, I've had family members with addictions. Um, it's no joke. You know, on some level, though, you got to do take some responsibility. I mean, I think society is definitely coddles people with addictions these days, you know, a lot much different than, than it was in years past. And maybe for good reason. But I mean, in some level, it just feels like, you know, it's almost used as a crutch, you know, as far as, you know, it's a sickness and this and that. On some level, you take responsibility for your behaviors, man. And, uh, you know, you're right. You know, some of these rock stars, this guy, Perry, you know, the way he's going, he's not going to live to see C60. I mean, he looks horrible, you know? I mean, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, we'll talk about something else, I guess, along those lines about people dropping dead earlier instead, but I don't know, man, life's too short. I mean, Listen, I'm not going to judge anybody, you know, but I just watched that and I said, wow, you know, for a guy like relatively our age, pfft, hope you <laughs> hope you enjoyed it. You know, I mean, uh, I know James, uh, Jim Morrison used to say, I'm going to get my shits before uh, kicks before the whole house comes down. You know, he died at 28 or 27, whatever it was. You know, you hope, you know, you hope it's worth it. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully uh, Matthew Perry, uh, Turns it around. Anyway, speaking of not judging people, let's judge uh, Chrissy Teigen right now. Chrissy, 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 Chrissy. You know, he's another set of people, legend and her. I don't particularly care for Mike. You know, I just saw the story. I figured it'd be, uh, be an interesting topic. You know, it seems like she's been cyberbilling some people online. 14 year old girl in particular, going to go kill herself. Chrissy, 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 Chrissy. Well, she got, well, this goes. Cancel culture. People are coming after you. That's, yeah, that's what happened. Um, this chick, well, girl, the girl Courtney Stodden was the girl she went after. I've never heard of her. I, I did a little look up on her. All right. Remember the movie, The Green Mile? Yeah. Okay. Remember that one guard that was an asshole when, uh, what's his face is getting, when, uh, Michael Clark Duncan's getting executed and he's supposed to put the sponge on his head and he doesn't right, put the right. sponge and it fucks up the execution. All right. She okay. married that guy when she was 16. This guy was 51 when she uh, when they got married. They had like a reality okay. show or whatever. And then her and Chrissy Teigen. Now she's 16. Chrissy Teigen's like 23 at the time because this cyberbullying is like 10 years old. Right, 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 right. Chrissy Teigen just goes after her and for whatever reason tells her to kill herself take a dirt nap, all of this stuff. And for whatever reason, it just kind of like went away. 
And then this Courtney Stodden chick kind of like resurfaced everything. Maybe she wants yeah. to get famous again. I don't know what it is, but you know, all of these things were like DMs too. They weren't, some of it was public. Like she made a couple of public, uh, Chrissy Teigen made a couple of public tweets about who is it? Lindsay Lohan slitting her wrists. I mean, she went after like quite a few people. And mm -hmm. the problem is she did it 10 years ago. And now she comes off as this like virtue signaling, you know, holier than thou person. Right, right, right. And like you said, it all came back to, you know, bite her in the ass. And listen, everyone's got to <laughs> It's true. <laughs> right. Exactly. She she comes off, like you said, comes off holier than thou, tries to be pious. Everyone's got skeletons in your closet, Fritzy. You know, she lost. <laughs> she lost. What was it? The cookware thing she had. She had a cookbook deal. Uh, you know, <laughs> they said. <laughs> the thing I read was she's like she's like inconsolable right now. Because she is such like one of these social media mavens. And now right, she can't right. be on social media. I mean, she did a thing like a month ago of I need my mental health. I'm leaving social media. And it, she was back three weeks later. I guess I guess she got fixed really quick, you know, and I, I, I don't know. I, I, I personally Dude, you got to be real careful. Like I said before, in the beginning of the show, you got to be careful yeah. about what you say to yeah. people, you know, on Twitter. Twitter will ban the shit out of you. They ban yeah. the president, you know, she. And Listen, anyone could, you know, we could sit here and probably go through a list of people that we want to bash. And then if one of these people is like, well, fuck Mike and fuck Chris, and they just decide to scroll through our Twitter feeds, I'm sure there's going to be stuff that comes up that might not be too popular. You know, it, I know you know, like anyone can get that's the thing. Anyone can get canceled. Anyone. So, look, I'm sure if you go through my Twitter feed, I mean, I'm sure people will look at shit that I've written throughout the years and like, he's a racist, he's a this, he's a that. Look, yeah. the people that I know me, you know, they know who I am. I don't got to explain anything to anybody, but the people that I know, the people that I'm friends with, all colors, all cultures and stuff, I ain't got nothing to hide. And what I say to my mother, you know, who is very skeptical about social media and you and anybody else, what you see here is what you get in person. So a lot of these people... You know, I just get the impression that some of these people are like keyboard warriors and they say shit that they well, don't think at the time is going to mean anything. Well, it's like, you know? yeah, it's like everyone wants to be on the right side. Everyone yeah. right now wants to be on the right side. And, you know, that's why I think a lot of people, you know, the Mideast conflict going on right now. There's a lot of people that are like, I'm not saying anything. That, Dude, I'm not going to say anything. I'm. Again, I'm not saying. That. I'm. I, I, look, I'm. I'm very I'm a, friendly with. I'm very man. friendly with a lot of Jewish people, man, and I'm usually on their side, and I'm probably with them on this side too. But that said, mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of fucked up things going on in New York City right now, and uh, yeah. you know, a lot of anti-Semitic bullshit going on in the city. Yeah. And look, I get it. I took. I'm a political science major. I sat in the class one time where. Basically, an Israeli professor broke it down for me, the conflict in the Mideast. And he said to us as a class, he goes, look, I'm going to say this as a, as a Jewish man, as, as an Israeli, because you're never going to get peace there. No. Ever. He goes, you know, it stems from the 68 problem. This shit's been going on for thousands of years. It's going to continue to go on. And when you get out, you get one little piece of land that's, you know, very important to a whole bunch of different cultures and religions. It's a recipe for freaking disaster. Yeah. That said, like you said, I'm all hands off, but I've been reading a lot of shit where like in the city, there's a lot of crazy shit going on. Yeah. Sir kid today on a stream on Twitch, he was talking about it. He was like 23. He's a Columbia university grad. And he's like, yo dude, no joke. I'm not really safe, man. He goes, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like, you know, low key that there's a lot of, there's a lot of shit that's going oh, on. That I, I'll tell you that, right now, man, like, like, uh, you know, Hasidic Jews right now, they, they're probably hunkering yeah, down, no man. Good, like, man. Like they're not yeah. leaving Williamsburg or, or, or other parts of Brooklyn, all of certain parts of Queens. Dude, you like it's been on the news. Like Times Square has been on the news where yeah, there was riots. Up, man. Yeah, there was riots there the other day. You had these other kids doing donuts down by like Washington Square Park with big Palestinian flags. 
dude, it's a mess right now. You know, and that's going to be, I, I look at it this way, that, that that's going to be the next big hate crime. I think that's going to be like the soup du jour of hate crimes coming up. Yeah, man. I, listen, I just hope it doesn't end up in like some sort of 9-11 bullshit. I, I know a lot of the, the conflict there was, you know, what, what that asshole uh, Osama said was, he goes, originally what he said was this is in this is in response to the you know the united states support of israel and all sorts of bullshit that he yeah. said at the time and um i'm just hoping nothing bad really happens especially you know it seems like we're coming out you know covid seems to be finally yeah. coming to an end and you don't want any more bullshit going no, on no. no hopefully hopefully it gets resolved i think they did have a uh, a ceasefire right now hopefully they can go to the table like you said man this is something thousands of years old you know Dude, he broke it down for us. He broke it down for us. And there were people of all different cultures and stuff. I'm sure there may be Palestinian kids in the class, whatever. And he said it to, he broke it down from 68, you know, the war there, the, 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 the Holy land, the shit that's been going on the years, the occupation, Gaza strip, the whole nine yards. And it was just like, it's pretty interesting to hear it, you know, from, you know, a different perspective, you know, in a, in a real fact, fact-based, you know, way, but yeah. I can tell you, you know, there's a lot of shit going on, especially in New York City, that is not right. Man. Nah, it's yeah, not right. And yeah. again, it stems back to the fucking mayor, you know. That's the, that's the reality of it. Yeah. You know, you know, when you get lawlessness, this is what this is what happens on any level, whether it's response to police brutality, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It's just it's not good. It's a recipe for disaster. When you when you have this stuff where you cripple a police department and you make it hard for them to police or at the very least have a presence or decrease that presence, stuff like this pops its head. So again, I've said it time and time again, you got to find a balance one way or the other. You know, you can have shit, you know, going one way or the other, but you have to have a balance and you have to have a presence there to prevent yeah. this stuff. Yeah, who knows? Don't worry. Andrew Giuliani is going to save us all. He's running. <laughs> he's running Will Ferrell. Yeah. I... What? Uh, oh man! I, I did you watch him on TV? Did you see him at all on TV? And his little I'm running for governor press conference. Yeah, you um, know, I don't know what to think of of him at this point. I'm inclined to like. I him. do. <laughs> yeah. I don't. He he has too much, uh, frat guy energy, man. Yeah. He's got that like, bro. I'm gonna get out there. I'm gonna clean up the streets, bro. You're gonna see, bro, bro. Like, like he might as well have called everybody, bro. He might as well have had. <laughs> A uh, a hat on backwards and 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 a and a white claw in his hand, like bro, we're gonna take this city back, bro. You watch, bro, bro. And and now here's the problem too with him, Chris. I, I his dad was gonna be a big driving force behind this thing, right? And now he's not. Daddy's got some issues right now. Rudy Rudy can't be showing his face. You know what I'm saying? Rudy, yeah, Rudy's uh Rudy's got to go low key. Yeah, low key as the kids say right now. <laughs> low key. Rudy's got to be low key. I put key. that on I put that on Twitter. I, I know you like that and stuff. Yeah. So it it seems like the uh, the words today like back in when we, you and I were kids it was like the word was it's fresh. It's yeah. dope. Yeah. You know, there was all sorts of words that changed from year to year, right? Now it seems like the things that pop up is everything's low key. Everything yeah. is hey dad, that's sus. What's yeah. sus? Suspect, right? Or, hey, fam, you know, my, my <laughs> friends at work. Yo, fam. Yo, fam. What's going on, fam? Yo, who's fam? <laughs> yeah. It's all sorts of shit. It's just, no yeah, cap. it harkens no back cap. to when we were kids. No cap. What? No cap. You ever heard no that cap. one? Right. No cap. No cap. AF, right? Oh, really? No cap. No cap. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But I, uh, it's cool shit, man. But I'll be on. Yeah, he just, he had like that weird, like, alpha dog, kind of like, I run the frat kind of energy and i just i, I didn't like it yeah. I, I i like the little fat kid that was crawling all over rudy's uh podium when he when he was elected mayor <laughs> that, yeah i don't and, and listen man the kids running as a republican he ain't gonna win man. like this is no, he should have no, no. went some if this kid really wanted to get in think about this too his last job was working for trump in the Trump administration, he can't even like use that as a play, you know, like this. He should have looked for something else or, or, or looked maybe in another state or I don't know, maybe like ran a campaign and thought about right, it. Right, right, right. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't see this kid. 
Andrew, sorry, buddy. I, I, I don't see it going anywhere. Unless he comes out, unless he's got some amazing PR person that just totally turns this kid around. <laughs> That's it, man. Did you see it? <laughs> there he is. There he is. Yo, bro. Yo, bro. Bro, bro. You know who used to say that shit all the time? I, I know you're not a big talk talk radio guy, but uh, Joe Beningo yeah. used to drive me crazy, man. Uh, Joe Beningo was like a talk show host that he basically won this. Um, he won, the he won this uh, contest. He won the contest and became a WFAN personality. Big Jet guy, big Met fan. Yeah. Complete like character of a loser if there ever was. But make a long story short, he had a 20-year career and like his catchphrases, like he would, you'd listen to this guy and every other word was indubitably. Oh, yeah. bro. Oh, no doubt. It's like, you know, the, the guy had a vocabulary of like a three-year-old and he would throw out like these bro-type phrases that would just drive me crazy. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing wrong in my life that this yeah. guy's got this job and I'm toiling away making X amount of money and, on a nine to five, you know? And you know who loved him? Francesca was the guy that discovered him in that, that yeah. contest. And he loved the well, guy. By the way, by the way, towards the end, they hated each other. Like yeah. there was animosity between him and his, uh, I guess his, uh, his co-host, Evan. Um, apparently there was, there was, I guess, a lot of bad blood with Mike towards the end before he retired. So they were all goofing on him, but... That's interesting that you bring that up. Yeah. Um, speaking of sports, you brought this up. There's a, a Derek Jeter documentary on the in the works or coming out or Yeah, man. So we're is not it a 30, mention- 30 for 30 or Yeah, 30 for 30, I believe. Um eight part series that's gonna be shown in the ESPN. Um eight part series? An eight part series. Eight part series. And I think it's coming out pretty, pretty uh Pretty soon, actually. Um, I don't know the exact exact date, but it's an eight-part series. It's going to be on uh, ESPN, <clears throat> and um, you know, I can't imagine what the what the hell they're going to drag it out. Eight, you know, as far as you know, how much can you talk about Derek Jeter? I mean, I love him. You know, one of my favorite Yankees of all time. You know, I'm not going to mention his last name, but this guy Matt Matt. You know, if you're watching, you know, Matt was uh, Derek's Derek Jeter's bodyguard for many many years i think he still is matt's a childhood buddy of me and michael great guy police officer runs a runs a big bodyguard business lots of celebrities make a long story short we went uh, short me and michael also went to school with a guy that was very good friends with Derek jeter this guy's sean and sean um your father uh, mike's father coached him in football well make a long story short sean went to mcclancy he got drafted by the yankees and um, I guess he met Jeter and became Jeter's best friend. Yeah. And Matt yeah. kind of worked his way into the circle and became his bodyguard. And it kills me because I lost touch with Matt for a while. But I guess when he first met him, um, Matt, I guess, introduced him to a lot of our childhood buddies, including Big Pat. And it kills me that I never got a chance to meet Derek Jeter because I'm such a big Yankee fan. But um, he was you know, a bit, understanding. He used to go to O'Neill's a lot in Massmouth. When oh, did he? when Alan Watson pitched, Watson grew up, I think, in Middle Village or Glendale. And he used to He's take a Christ him there. the King guy. Yeah, like right. the 1960s, like his rookie season, he would take him there. That's correct. So those three guys, I think, there was three guys that ended up making the majors. They all played for Christ the King. They were great, great players. But Sean played for McClancy. Sean became good friends with Jeter. Jeter became, I guess, good friends with Matt. Matt became his bodyguard. And Matt introduced a lot of our childhood buddies to him, I guess, in the beginning before he really took off, like in 95 or 96. Yeah. And I'd lost touch with Matt at that point, you know, for a while. Um, we were traveling in different circles. And years later, you know, he told me his story. And it just killed me that I never had a chance to meet him because he's such a such a favorite of mine. And um, this documentary, I'm sure it's going to go into some of his personal life. The guy, if there was an ever, if there were, if there were, if there was ever a celebrity out there that, or a sports figure that was as clean as Jeter, I, I, I dare anybody in the audience to name a more clean, squeaky figure than than him. That's that. See, this this is what I'm saying. How is this eight parts? This guy is the most boring, yeah. fucking athlete to ever play a sport, any sport you could think of. He wasn't a fucking wild. He wasn't like Mickey Mantle, who was this 
wild man. He wasn't, uh, you know, whitey. Four. He wasn't those old school Yankees. Billy Moore. He did nothing. This guy. He wasn't a Lawrence Taylor. He was a great. Listen, I'm not taking anything away from his baseball skills. The guy was a tremendous athlete. Tremendous athlete. Oh, by great the way, I, I met Mike. I met Whitey Ford and check this out. I got an autograph uh, for him. And when I met him, right, I wanted him to sign. I said, Whitey, can you sign to Chris from Whitey and put your address there and, and my address? And I guess his daughter was sitting next to him. And he goes, why the fuck do you want me to put my address there? He goes, and he's looking at his daughter like, is this guy crazy? I go, look, I'm from Astoria too. He goes, what are you, Greek? I go, no, I'm, I'm Italian. He goes, look, I'll put your address there. He goes, but I'm not going to put your, I'm not gonna put mine. So he signed it. He shook my hands. He goes, okay, I'll see you later. But, uh, you know, Whitey Ford's an Astoria guy too. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually got to meet him uh, when I worked at the stadium and got his autograph. And he yeah. was a very nice guy. And I did the same thing. Like, you always want the in kind of with these right, guys. Right, right, right. And I was like, hey, Whitey, I grew up in Astoria. He's like, Oh really? My dad owned a bar on like third. I think his father owned a bar somewhere on like yeah, right, right. I was like, yeah, dude, your father owned that bar in like 1948. You know, it's like it's it's gone now. You know, I was like, but he was very he was a complete gentleman. So cool. Like, yeah, yeah, very nice guy. So cool. and shook our hands and said thank you. Um, now on the if, same if, topic though, going back to Mickey Mantle for a second. In 1985, my dad takes me to a card show, right, with Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle there, and he goes, look. I can't afford for you to get both, you know, autographs because you got to pick one. I'm like, look, I got to go with Joe D, the Paisano, mm. right? So Joe D is like, he's dressed to nines. Like he's got like this big, you know, he's got a suit on. He looks like Mr. Coffee and mm. shit. I run up to him. I get the autograph. I'm like, thank you, Mr. DiMaggio. Blah, blah, blah. He signs the, the picture. And Mickey Mantle was sitting next to him. And Mickey Mantle is like in a cut off shirt. He looked <laughs> like he just got off a farm, this fucking guy. Mm. And, um, as soon as I got off from DiMaggio, I went over there. I must have been about 11, 12 years old. And I go, hey, Mick, how you doing? And I shuck Mickey Mantle's hand. He goes, hey, hey, kid, how you doing? Completely cool. But um, it kills me with Jeter because he's probably one of the few Yankees, the big-time Yankees that I've never met. And I've met a lot of them. I, I, I met him. I got his autograph. He was, he was the quietest fucking dude like you ever – like. He, he was like, like, hey, Derek, how you doing? He just gave you like the uh, keep walking. I used to see him every night to move the traffic to get him out. And he would just wave okay. and drive away. Meanwhile, Jorge Posada wanted to have a 10 minute conversation every night. And, you know, he speaks a little broken English, so it was hard to understand him sometimes. But he was always a gentleman to me. Hey, how you doing? Hey, my friend. Hey, how you I think doing? all those guys were really cool, man. Matt told me a lot of stories about him. You know, he told me the story about, I guess, where. You know, if you went to one of his parties, you couldn't bring a cell phone into his place. So I'm sure like the documentary will go into a little bit of stuff like that. Yeah. Like that's why he's so oh, right. come on. That, that's why he's so squeaky clean. Because right. he's probably doing some sick shit and no one could record it. And I mean if tell you tell me stories about Posada. You said Posada was a great guy. Yeah. Lo and behold, A Rod didn't get glowing reviews from Big Matt. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I met him too. I wasn't that big of a fan. I told the story about when I got his autograph. Right, uh, right. We're gonna right. talk about him in a minute too, because, but uh, yeah. Think, but think about too when Jeter first started. It was 1996. There were no cell phones. You know, no one right. was no one was record. You know, no one got a cell phone to take video, and old cell phone video was horrific. You know, towards the end of his yes. Career, when when did he retire? 2014. 2014, 15 ish, maybe. Yeah. It was basically like the last seven, eight years of his career where people really got into, you know, phones and stuff. And even then, and by then he was just like kind of like settled down by then. You know, he was like old man. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. But they said I think the he, only guy that probably these days comes close to him is maybe Brady. I mean, I'm not a huge Brady fan, but I think yeah, he seems to be a really good guy. You know, uh, you know, another squeaky queen, clean type guy, you know. But um, but go ahead. You were saying something. I cut you but off. But supposedly Derek Jeter's like laundry list of women is insane, and I hope they get it. I want to see if they get into that. I'm sure they got it. I mean, Matt told me some stories. I didn't get into much detail about it. Um, he told me the story with the cell phones. He told me the stories. I guess sometimes they they would grab women after the party was over, and you know, and um. I guess introduce them because the guy never really wanted to be. He'd wait for the club to empty out, and yeah. then Matt and a couple guys would bring the girl back, you know, that he wanted to hook up with. 
Um, but most of the stuff Matt said, he said he was a super cool guy, man. He was a real nice guy. He told me stories about the, you know, Bernie and I guess O'Neill and Posada and A-Rod and all those guys. And well, I, I met Mariano Rivera at some point. Not another nice guy, yeah. super nice guy. Ma- Mario Rivera. Mariano was a very nice guy. I met him as well. Got his autograph. Very, very reverent right. dude. Very religious guy. Yeah. I think most of these guys too, like think about it. Like that whole, that core group, that dynasty group, if you think about it, you know, except maybe for like a Paul O'Neill who played for the Reds, most of them were homegrown, younger guys, and the Yankees were able to like mold them. And then you have. Well, check this out. Going along the lines of what you just said. So check this out. Matt told me a story on the, again, going back to the kid jargon, right? Low key, right? Yeah. He said, Andy Pettit left the Yankees, I guess, to go to Houston Astros in 04 and 05. Apparently he got caught cheating on his wife. And that's why they, that's why the wife gave him an ultimatum to something to the effect of, Hey, look, either you get traded out of New York or I'm going to divorce you. And Pettit is, I I think another really, you know, he's not an overly religious guy, but I think he's a religious guy, kind of like Rivera to an extent. And apparently, and again, don't quote me on this. It's secondhand. Maybe Matt said it to me, or maybe I heard it somewhere differently and he confirmed it for me, but. Again, I'm not going to put Matt into that position, but I heard that he got caught cheating on his wife, and that's why he got traded to the Astros in 04. So you're right. They are homegrown guys. I think they were tight-knit guys. Um, I love that team. They're one of my favorites. Outside of the 70s, Bronx or Yankees, they're my, they're, 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 that, that's my team. Oh, that was an, I mean, I hate the Yankees, but those those teams just crushed everything. They were like a bulldozer for you know, and I think there's certain teams out there that transcend, years. like, you know, I don't like the Mets, like you don't like the Yankees, but I grew up with, you know, a lot of Met fans, including you. And I can tell you the 85, 86 Mets were hard to dislike at that time. You know, I didn't root for them, but oh, those guys, you know, just back in the day, I mean, nuts. Yeah. A great team to root for and very hard to dislike, at least for me. You know, I still follow Lenny Dykstra to this day on Twitter, who's actually absolutely hysterical and if we have a chance we should really get into nails one day because that guy is a walking comedy show dude he just oh he's a man i mean you know what you know what i felt bad for him about man like he was married to his wife for 20 years and it just goes to show you man he went broke and she was gone like the next day (laughs) once he went broke and got locked up it was like yeah i'm gone i'm following he bought he owned wayne gretzky's house he did, and there was some sort of documentary about him too, about how he screwed all these people over and stuff. And well, he, I guess he was high and shit. And he, he had a conversation with some woman, who I guess was supposedly showing him a twenty thousand dollar bill for an airplane that he rented or something. He's like, I don't know you shit, you know, well, just he, like take out. Like. Well, his I watched one story about him on uh, what was it, Real Sports? And I think that's what it was. I think that's what it was. And he owed. He, he, you know, he hit it big in the stock market. Right. Well, first he started out. He, he, um, he did car washes. He made all yes, this money. He made a ton of money that ton right. of money doing car washes and then figured out the stock market. He's like, yeah, I watched Jim Cramer a couple of times and read a couple of books. And he did hit it big in a, I guess maybe the tech boom or whatever it was. And he killed it. But like everything that goes up, it came down. And then he just still kept living that lifestyle. And that's why he went broke. Like they showed him like years later in Wayne Gretzky's house that he had to put up for sale. And all that was left in Wayne Gretzky's house was like a couch, one couch. And that was everything. <laughs> right, else was right. And the guy came in looking wife. for him. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and like the thing with the planes, he was starting a business, I think, of like leasing corporate jets. Right. And then he couldn't afford any of these planes. And they started That's repoing right. That's his right. planes. So like, guy, yeah. I guess any guy presented a bill and he's like, I don't know you shit. Get out yeah. of here. But he is, he's an interesting read on Twitter, man. If you yeah. have a chance, follow his account. Um, but going back to what you're saying with the Yankees and not liking them, but liking them, and it's tough to hate them, that 85-86 Met team, I feel the same way. Like, I don't like the Mets. I don't root for them. I get into it with some of my Met buddies. But here's the deal. That team, very, very, very tough yeah. to dislike if you're a New Yorker. Yeah, true, true. I, but, I mean, uh, and if you love the Mets, read the book, The Bad Guys Won, all about the Oh, uh, Jeff Perlman. Phenomenal book. That's a. By great the way, he book. follows me on Twitter. Him yeah. and Mike Ricaro. Yeah. That's a great book, and it just the the best part is like one of the best parts is the beginning, 
where Davy Johnson walks in with the bill from the plane. Right. When they, when they won in Houston, they wrecked the plane coming. Like they ripped seats out of a plane in midair. Right, right. That's right. how much they partied. They said there was food on the ceiling of the plane. Everything, everything was everywhere. Like rock stars, man. Yeah. They destroyed it. I think it was like at the time, like 150 grand worth of damage to the plane. Yeah, man. I was reading some crazy stories. Like I think they would like doing cocaine, like in the, in the yeah. back of the, in the toilet bowl and in, in, in the, and then, um, in the plane. Crazy shit, man. Crazy Dave, shit. Davy Johnson walked into the locker room and said, here's the bill for the plane. 150 grand of damage. We did. He takes the bill and rips it up rips in front it of up. the whole and goes, fuck them. We're going to the world series. They can pay for it. <laughs> And that, Dude, that was, was a great it. book, man. That was a great book. I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah. Read that book. The bad guys want if you're an '86 Met fan, or just a Met fan in general. But yeah. speaking of, we talked about A Rod. A Rod is coming out with a makeup line for men. <laughs> this is real. Like this guy, I, I just saw part of the, I just saw the headline of it. A Rod coming out with a makeup line for men. <laughs> I. I Okay. I mean, like, uh, I, I guess, you know, I guess there are guys. <laughs> crazy, dude. Just crazy, crazy, crazy. And I mean, he's a, he's probably a guy that wears makeup all the time just being on TV. So I guess he feels like, why can't everyone wear it? If, if that's his thing, man, good for A-Rod. Good for A-Rod. Good for, I mean, hey, man, maybe he's going through a thing right now. No more J-Lo. It's just him. Apparently, he's yeah. bent out of shape over the fact that J-Lo is with, um, uh, what's his face, uh, with Ben Affleck. You know, supposedly, like, he's really uh, really having a tough time with, uh, with the whole thing that, I guess, he's with her, you know. And uh, I've been reading a couple of articles where he's, he's really depressed and blah, 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 which, who the hell knows? Dude, I think he's a serial womanizer. You know, he seems to be a genuine, genuinely disliked guy from Yankee fans and non-Yankee fans alike. Yeah, he, um, I don't know. I and don't know the, yeah, and, and that's what I meant. Like, a, like when a guy like him came in to the fray, he was already established. He already was making two hundred and something million dollar contract with Texas, and he came in. You're going to try and like tame this guy? You, you're going to try and tell him to you know calm down and. This is how the Yankees do business. No. Someone yeah. put someone put it. Uh, some guy I talked to one time, like talked about like just athletes and movie stars in general. Is like especially like a guy like like athletes, because you know right. it's ve it's very young. They're very young when people like recognize their talent. So a guy like A Rod, since he's been probably been like thirteen or fourteen years old, no one has ever told that guy no. No one has ever said, like, that's a bad idea. Because for a lot of people, too, he's a meal ticket. You know? No, I agree with you. There's so many, you know, there's so many other people behind him that are like, when he makes it, we're all getting paid. I agree with you. So, he's a tough guy to like. I think he's got some daddy issues, that's, too. That's the thing. Tough guy to like. That's he's the best way to just. Like. Tough guy to like. But uh, I think he's got some daddy issues, too. I mean, I think yeah. his father left him at a young age. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I think that plays into his psychosis on some level, but whatever. You know, I'm not going to have, uh, like you like to say, I, I don't I don't think A-Rod's hurting that much. You know, I think yeah. uh, with all the money that he's got and all the shit, I think he'll do just fine. Didn't you know? he, just, he just bought a basketball team, right? Yeah, Timberwolves. Yeah. So. Who, by the way, one of the guys was like, who, who's A-Rod? Who's Alex Rodriguez? Didn't know who the hell he was. <laughs> I'm sure that went over well with him and his uh, ego. That's amazing. It's amazing that like someone thinks that. Like who was? And meanwhile, this guy, twenty years ago, was like the—he was one of the faces of baseball. He was one of the amazing three shortstops. Think about it, him, Nomar, and Jeter. Yeah, that's right. And, and I mean, what what the hell ever happened to Nomar Garcia Para? Steroids, bro. Steroids. As a matter of fact, I was on—I was on Mike and the Mad Dog one time, and I got into a big argument with uh, with uh, what's his face with Francesa. And uh, Jeter had gotten hurt, which I'm sure they'll go into on the documentary. And uh, basically what, what I said to them, I'm like, you know, why wouldn't they put A-Rod at shortstop instead of playing him at third if Jeter's going to be out for a very long time? 
And Francesca just jumped down my throat. He's like, oh, that'll never happen. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, Mike, I play baseball. Shortstop is a more important position than third base. He goes, oh, that would never go. Joe Torre would never do it. I'm like, why wouldn't they put mm -hmm. the all-star shortstop, A-Rod <laughs> yeah. at shortstop, instead of playing him out of position at third because he moved there because Jeter didn't want to move off shortstop. And he said, that'll never happen. So they hung up on me. And then Mad Dog started getting in on him. He goes, you know, he's right. You know, they shouldn't mm. be putting him at shortstop. He goes, oh, well, that'll never happen. It'll open a whole bag of worms with Jeter. Jeter's, e Jeter's ego would never allow A-Rod to move there, you know, even in his, in his absence. But I had the thing DVR'd somewhere. And uh, it was just funny that Francesca just jumped down my throat when I brought that up. But... Yeah, yeah, but that was that was always like total Francesa. Yeah, you know, I don't. Uh, you never heard. I mean, all right, we can go down the Francesa rabbit hole for a little bit, but you never heard Francesa say things like, "That's a great idea." I can't believe you thought of that, or like, or just think whenever this is the one Francesa thing that always sticks in my head. Whenever someone would call up with a a trade. And he would just oh, well, you rip your asses. He out. would just lose his shit and just go into how is how would they how would they do that? Look at how much he's got left on the contract. You can't do that. Then who's gonna take who's gonna play who's gonna play second base? Then if they if they trade him here, who's who's covering? And then the salary cap, and then the yeah, all right, we get it. You're the smartest guy, you know sports <laughs> better than everybody. I'm gonna steal a page from my friend Tony, uh big Tony. So Tony always used to say, he used to call the people like that one-uppers. Yeah. Hey, you know, I went to St. John's. Well, that's great, Mike. I went to I Harvard. Too. Yeah. Oh, oh, wait a second. I was in the Boy Scouts. I made Life Scout. Hey, I was a triple eagle. And, <laughs> you know, it was always that one-upper person, you know, whether it's in your work environment, yeah. you know, I'm sure you encountered in the police we department. To, yeah, we used to call them either one guy called them toppers. Right. We used to call them one-uppers. One guy used to call toppers. Like okay. one guy would tell a story, you know, this one time, you know, I locked up three guys. I got a kilo of cocaine out of the trunk and blah, blah, blah. and then I got nine guns. I got, I, I got 47 kilos of cocaine. I got this. I got that. Oh, the Pope. <laughs> but uh, yeah, toppers and one uppers, man. One uppers. Tony used to always say he, he still says it to this day. He goes, yeah, the person is just like. Yeah, you know, I bought Dogecoin at five cents. You know, listen, I was one of the first people that bought it at seven point zero zero seven cents. Yeah. Okay, bud. All right. Yeah. I get it. I understand. You know. Yeah, I get it with Francesca. It completely uh, fits the epitome of a one-upper or a topper, as yeah. you like to call him. Yeah, he is. He definitely is. And is he coming back? Isn't he supposed so. to come back? I thought you said he was going to come back. Wasn't there something he was supposed to come back with, like a podcast or whatever he did uh, once he retired he came back and he tried to do a podcast i guess like we're doing where he would take snippets of his show and then i guess he tried to market it through an app that you had to pay 8.99 to hear it oh okay. so nobody's going to do that you know everybody's going to consume it like they do they're going to listen to it on a spotify or an apple or on youtube they're not paying you 8.99 to hear your stupidity they're going to tune into free radio you're not howard stern and if you were, mm -hmm. if you were smart, that's what you would have done. You would have gone and taken a deal with the Mad Dog or XM Radio, yeah. and you'd have been fine. But as I think his ego got the best of him. Yeah, like like I said, he should have went. He should have went to satellite with uh, Russo. Yeah, and just I ridden agree. off into the sunset. All right, listen, we're gonna save the best for last here. Yeah. Okay. Chris got banned from a funeral. Dude, it's Explain the most bizarre it. story. And guys, I'll try to keep this, you know, as, as PG and um, and respectful for the guy because the guy passed away. It's a horrible story. 46 years old, ex-fireman. I'm not going to mention his, his name, but the reality of it is I know, had known this guy for 20 plus years. He at some point was a, a, what they call a little brother in my fraternity. And... Um, we had a falling out, I guess, in 19, the early 90s. You know, the first year he had joined the fraternity, we were very close. His future wife, I guess, hit on me, and I kind of spurred her. Make a long story short, she went on to another friend of mine, this nut job, Brian, who I'm not really friendly with anymore. I guess Brian hooked up with her, and I guess Brian moved on. And she went to a third guy in our fraternity, and eventually to this guy, who I'm not going to mention his name out of respect. 
which I'm probably not being respectful at this point, but it plays into the story. Make a long story short, Tom went from being one of my best friends to, I just said the guy's name, but sorry, I didn't mention his last name. Um, he went from being one of my best friends to a guy that hated my guts. It was very strained. We got into a fist fight about a year later. 96, I'd gotten into the brokerage business. We kind of went our separate ways. I didn't really think too much of it. You know, uh, we had a mutual friend of ours that I would time to time reach out to and, you know, say, hey, look, you know, I feel bad about what happened. Well, let me put out an olive branch. I didn't really mean anything. He was, guy was a close friend of mine. You know, let me just reach out an olive branch. He goes, ah, I don't think he's too into that. Okay, fine. Flash forward five, six years later, my friend Joe gets married. And I guess there was a situation where the guy was going to be in the wedding party. And Joe was like, hey, look, you're going to be in the wedding party. He's going to be in the wedding party. You know what? Why don't you guys try to mend fences? I go, okay, I'll be the bigger man. And I'll apologize to him. So I'm there at one of the parties for the, for the wedding. And um, my wife's there. And I just went out of my way and I tried to apologize to the guy. The guy was a complete dickhead to me. Again, I said to Joe, I said, listen, you know, here's what I said. I try to be cool. I have no ill will. This is what he did. He goes, I appreciate that. Guy got married. No hard feelings. Flash forward to that. Joe got divorced and he's set to get remarried. This is about 2012. 2012 comes around and um, Joe says the same thing to me. He goes, look, he's going to be in there. It's going to be awkward. I go, Joe, this ship sailed, man. I tried it once. I tried it twice. I've been trying for 15 years to kind of mend fences with the guy. He just doesn't seem to be really too open with it. And to be honest with you, guy was kind of a dick to me the last time. So I said, let bygones be bygones. We show up the wedding. He's in the wedding party. Joe told me I'm, I was going to be in the wedding party, but I wasn't. It was super awkward. We had a falling out. I hadn't speak, spoken to Joe probably since then. Flash forward about a month ago. I see a picture of this guy. He looks really, really messed up. He really, he looks like he's very skinny. Picture him and his wife in front of a fire truck in the Bronx. And um, I'm like, wow, you know, I don't, look, I'm not, I'm not this mean spirited guy, contrary to popular belief, uh, big Pat, you know, that is this evil motherfucker, you know? So I said to a friend of mine who brought it up, mutual friend of ours, I go, that's messed up. I don't know if he's sick or, you know, I haven't spoken to the guy in all these years, but I don't wish any will will. He goes, wow. You know, do you, do you know what happened? I go, no, I don't. So Monday comes around, I turn on Facebook and um, I see the guy passed away. I'm like, holy shit. 46 years old, three kids, horrible shit. You know, no matter what happened with me, just wow. horrible, horrible crap. He was a firefighter. He went down to 9-11. He's one of those guys. He's a second fraternity brother of mine who passed away due to working the 9-11 the sites. He developed pancreatic cancer and he passed away very quickly. Um, so on our Facebook, on our fraternity uh, wall, I said something to the effect of OMG prayers to him and his wife and his family. Within five minutes, I get this text on Facebook Messenger from this guy that he's a mutual friend of ours. He's a fraternity brother. Came in a little bit younger than us. I guess he was very good friends with this guy. He goes, hey, can you shoot me your number? I go, no problem. So he speaks to me. He goes, hey, man, you know, I saw you commented on the wall. And he goes, look, I don't know if you were, you know, going to do it or not, but I don't really think it's a great idea to, you know, go to, you know, his wake or funeral services. I go, what do you mean? First of all, assuming that I would have gone there. I mean, I, I wasn't really, you know, good friends with the guy at that point. You know, he probably hated yeah, me. Yeah, you drifted off, you know. But yeah. I figured I'd be respectful and just, you know, yeah, throw out my condolences. And this guy took it upon himself to tell me that he assumed that I was going to go there. And then he goes, well, you know, he was on his deathbed and the guy was saying, somehow you came up. I don't know if it came up like they were breaking his balls and mm. saying, oh, Muskrat's going to be at your funeral and him just responding to it. Or if this guy actually which is really fucked up if he did, you know, you're on your deathbed and you're thinking about me and how I shouldn't be at your funeral or your wake saying something to the effect that he didn't want me there. And, you know, guy went on to tell me, he goes, well, I don't know if it was him just in being in a bad mood because he was on meds and he was dying and he said it, but we were kind of breaking his balls and stuff. But I just found it bizarre. It was just such a bizarre story, Mike, that here yeah. you are, you're on your deathbed and you're thinking about a guy that you, you haven't seen in 10 years you haven't spoken to on a, on a civil note in probably more than 15, 20 years. Your wife hates my guts. And you're telling this guy who I haven't spoken to in years other than social media to, you know, relay the conversation that I'm not welcome at your Waker services, assuming that I'm going to go, you know? So I, I was respectful. I said, look, you know, 
I'll do whatever you guys want me to do. He goes, look, you know, you're part of Pi Lam, you know, our fraternity. He goes, you're a president. I know you were close at one point. I think if he was in a different spot, maybe he would think differently, but I don't think it's a great idea. I said, fine. I go, listen, I'll leave it at this. Speak to the guy's wife. What do you guys want to do? No problem. God bless you. Um, I'll either come or I won't come. He said, great. Okay. I'll leave it at that. So he calls me back five minutes later and he tells me, well, you know, I just spoke to his wife and, you know, she said that you're really not welcome there and they prefer that you not come. I said, no problem, bro. I said, have a nice night. And, uh, Look, I'm sorry, you know, I don't wish ill will on anybody, you know, but I can tell you this, Mike, when I go, when I kick the bucket, you hate me, you love me, you want to come to my funeral, there's no restrictions, I'm not banning you. But I, I put on Twitter and, and social media, and again, it's an all due respect, if anybody's watching that this, that's friends with them, you may think I'm a dick for bringing this up, but the reality of it is, you know, if, if people know the real story, I try to reach out to the guy. And what I said on Twitter and social media was very simple. You know what? Other than Trump, I may be the only person that gets banned from anybody's funeral. You know, and uh, just a bizarre, bizarre story. You know, you I told know, it man. to a couple of friends of mine. Yeah. I told it to you, and it's like, who does yeah. shit like that? I don't know, you know? man. I don't, I don't know. That's it's it's one of those things. Like, you know, man, don't you know? Bury the hatchet, man. Especially like that, that that far into the game, man. Like, I mean, twenty oh. years. And listen, it's not like I look. There, there was bad blood with us on some level, but. You know, I mean, I, I don't get people. I mean, going back to the COVID thing that you yeah. sent in the, in the beginning of the episode, 46 years old, I don't wish that on anybody, man. You know, and I can tell you this much on my deathbed, I ain't thinking about people that have slided me from the Mac days or St. John's or no. High Lamb. You want to pay your respects? God bless you, man. Life's short. But I'll leave it on that note, guys. All right. All right. I think we're going to start wrapping. I have one last thing because I don't want to go out on this note. I mentioned at the beginning of the the show. I found out some stuff that I never knew before. I found out with one thing. All right. I don't know if you knew this. The song, you're a DJ. The song Girls Just Want to Have Fun is a remake. Really? A that guy, Robert Hazard, the guy was like a new wave, punky kind of dude, wrote the song in 1979. Oh, 1979. It's got like a new wave, go-go's kind of sound to it. Okay. When you hear the song. The guy died, I think, like four or five years ago. But uh, he was the original, yeah, 1979. And then I think Cindy Lauper came out in like 83. And uh, where did you see that? I mean, that, that's news to me. I mean, I listen, I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, song. all credit to Ralph Sutton on the uh, Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll podcast. I saw it on his Instagram. Thank you, Ralph Sutton, for that little tidbit of information. Robert Hazard, rest in peace wrote girls just want to have fun that's a good look man whoever caught that uh as a dj yeah. i've never heard that before so that's news to me that's pretty cool um all right so what do you got for uh pluggy plugs pluggy plugs jay big jay cristiano and cardinal financial please give them a phone call if you have any uh purchases refis call jay at 844-442-7334 it's going to be uh, code 4215. Uh, the Mad Donkey, 3207, 36th Avenue, Astoria, New York. Big Tommy D's place. Five-star shopping also by Tommy D. 917-559-8264. Check Tommy out. He'll take care of you. You have a good time at his place. Things are looking like uh, more and more they're opening up in bars and restaurants. Check his establishment out. And if you have any shopping needs, check out Tommy. Um, DJ Chris Clash, please give me a call. Um, website, I'm taking uh, booking up very quickly, guys. So please, if you have any needs, let me know. I'll take good care of you. And that's it, man. I'm I'm good on uh, on the shout outs this week. All right, uh, I got my usual three. I can paint. My buddy Jack, give him a look at on Twitch, Probmatic, and uh, what uh, you can listen to Pat Dixon, New York City Crime Report on uh, all streaming services apple you know itunes spotify google what have you and if you subscribe to the compound network you can watch that show live and i've been on it so with that let's see what did we miss wow we missed a lot of crap white oh, house plumbers stuff, yeah white house plumbers tv show you said was going to be on uh prince harry and oprah he's 
meditating on TV and he's what a baby. Uh, Texas, zero COVID deaths. Okay. Charles trust, Grodin. Trust the science. Charles Grodin, Midnight Run. Rest in peace, buddy. Great actor. One, one of the funniest, uh, that dry wit movie actor. He was Midnight Run. If you haven't, if you've never seen Midnight Run, watch Midnight Run just for him. He blows the Nero out of the water. And almost Glad died. to see me, Jack. See me in the next <laughs> life. <laughs> I'm a white collar criminal. White collar criminal. <laughs> Why aren't you popular with this? Great, great. God, uh, yeah, just a rest great, in peace, bro. I didn't rest realize he was, he was like 80, 86, man. He was up yeah, there. He, yeah, he was up there. He was up there. Um, cops banned from the gay pride parade. New York City cops are banned from the gay pride parade. You know, I think that's a load of shit. You know, don't say you include, you know, you're the group that wants to include everybody. Then you got to include everybody. Uh, <laughs> Can't have it both have, ways, folks. Yeah. Uh, we also said, uh, oh, we got Jordan and Obama. That's for another time. Yeah, that's, a that's long another conversation. One. We'll yeah. bring that up. Uh, other than that, listen, we'll see you next week. Remember, like, subscribe, share, tell people. Uh, we want to keep doing this, so help us out and uh, take like, us out. Subscribe, and I'm going to take you out on this note, folks, crackheads out there. Life is short, and with this note. Think of Goodfellas at the end, folks. Live the life like a schnook. Uh, Good night, everybody. Tomatoes and ketchup and noodles. Later. <laughs>